Welcome to the Catholic Cafe, where all that the Catholic Church believes and teaches is served fresh daily. So come on in and see what's on the menu today. Now, here's your host, Deacon Jeff Drzymski. Greetings and welcome to the Catholic Cafe. I'm Deacon Jeff, and I'm sitting here in the luxurious corner booth of the Catholic Cafe. And today I'm joined by a wonderful guest. It's uh, Monsignor John MacArthur. He's a parish priest in Memphis, Tennessee. Monsignor, how are you doing today? I'm doing great. It's good to be with you again. It's a pleasure to always come into the cafe and share a few words and to listen and learn. And drink a diet drink and have a Very definitely a diet muffin. Right <laughs> <laughs> Very good. Well, wonderful. We, we love having you here. You were here with us before. And we talked about faith and works. And That's right. Now we have a little bit of a different topic that we're going to discuss. The whole reason we're doing this show is because my wife happened to come to Mass one time that you were uh, you were presiding at Mass, and you did a homily on a gospel uh, where Jesus walks on the water, and it was a kind of an interesting take on that. So we thought we'd use that as a springboard to uh, uh, to, to launch a show here. Sure. Well, let's let's start with the gospel uh, that was read that day, and this is the account of Jesus walking on water. We find this in Matthew chapter fourteen, uh, verse twenty-two. Immediately afterward, while dismissing the crowds, Jesus insisted that his disciples get into the boat and precede him to the other side. When he had sent them away, he went up on the mountain by himself to pray, remaining there alone as evening drew on. Meanwhile, the boat, already several hundred yards out from shore, was being tossed about in the waves raised by strong headwinds. At about three in the morning, he came walking toward them on the lake. When the disciples saw him walking on the water, they were terrified. It is a ghost, they said, and in their fear they began to cry out. Jesus hastened to reassure them, Get hold of yourselves, it is I, do not be afraid. Peter spoke up and said, Lord, if it is really you, tell me to come to you across the water. Come, he said. So Peter got out of the boat and began to walk on the water, moving toward Jesus. But when he perceived how strong the wind was, becoming frightened, he began to sink and cried out, Lord, save me. Jesus at once stretched out his hand and caught him. How little faith you have, he exclaimed. Why did you falter? Once they had climbed into the boat, the wind died down. Those who were in the boat showed him reverence, declaring, Beyond a doubt, you are the Son of God. And so we hear in that account some interesting stuff going on. Obviously, the the most important thing, Monsignor, is that Jesus walks on water, right? That he's, uh, he's God. He can walk on water. That's right. He's uh, the Lord. And I think what else is so significant, of course, that, that highlights his uh, divinity to us, not just then but today as well, is the disciples were in the boat and the storm came up and they were afraid. And I think you and I and everyone in our audience can relate. In our lives, we get afraid. Oh, yeah. We get afraid of the culture. We get afraid of sickness, uh, fears in our life. The The fear of unknowing, just not knowing what's going to happen. Exactly, day to day. And yet he comes among us and he says, don't be afraid. And I'm here. And that's a great comfort. And it's the same words, uh, do not be afraid, that Gabriel gave to Mary when he appeared, when he went to Joseph and said, don't be afraid to take her as your wife, as he did uh, many times to the apostles there. And even the, the resurrection, don't be afraid, peace be with you, I'm here, it's I. And then John Paul II began his papacy with that very claim, do not be afraid, we're, we're with Christ, Christ is with us in the world. So it's Christ time. does indeed bring peace uh, when we welcome him, when we follow him in, in, in faith. 
Another interesting aspect of this story is we see that Christ, God, is master of the elements. That's right. And he created all this this world. And as Catholics, we particularly are interested in that uh, detail just because just the idea that he can transform ordinary bread and wine into his own body and blood. Uh, he masters the elements. He can do what he w- wills with these things. And he had just previously multiplied the loaves and the fish, I believe, and uh, comes to that. And when he's capable, of course, is doing that, he can certainly calm us. We sometimes get hysterical with life. Uh, wondering what life's going to bring tomorrow. And he comes in the same way that he transformed bread, multiplied it as he does in the Eucharist, as you said, as he calmed the sea. Uh, He can do the same to our lives if we just open ourselves to that power. But sort of a secondary story that's going on here, not only is about Christ's divinity, right, but then there's also about our non-divinity. That's right. right? Our, Our feebleness, our inability to have great faith sometimes. Christ uh, was human and divine, and his humanity was perfect. We're human in the church today, and we all know ourselves. We frail. People sin. The divinity is there, the presence of Christ, the resurrection, the Holy Spirit. But there's that dynamic going on, much like that uh, at that time. And we, we know that fear. We know the humanity of the whole situation. But yet... He's with us in that power and grace of the divine within us. Well, we see Peter in this story, and, and Peter sees Christ and realizes, well, he said, well, if you're, if you're Jesus, right, why don't you uh, command me to come to be with you? That's so right. So it's Peter's idea. He wants to get up and get out of this boat. He wants to go on his own and say, look, I can do it too. And uh, sometimes we uh, want to go it alone in life, and we think, well, we can handle it now. We know the answers. And how many of us do that in life? I I've learned what I need, now I'm out, and I'm going to create my own life, my own meaning and purpose. And and uh, we realize the humanity that we have, our limitations, and Peter certainly... Well, how does he li- realize his limitations? What ends up happening? He sinks. <laughs> yeah. He sinks right into the water. And uh, I think if any of us would try that, of course, we're <laughs> going to go down, too. And so we can relate to it. And uh, Peter was uh, taking his eyes, in a sense, off the reality of what Christ was there and, and trying to make it on his own and not focusing on... Well, he leaves the safety and security... Of the boat. Right of the boat, right. and he and he exits, and and then once he tries to get on his own, uh, he starts to sink. That's right. He's he's out there by himself, and he leaves. And and we, we know that the image and symbol sometime of the church is is the boat. And uh, we, yeah, well, we, let's talk about that because there's a wonderful scripture. Uh, we turn a few pages in our Bible to Luke chapter five. At the very beginning of that chapter, we read uh, three verses, and it says, speaking of Jesus, as he stood by the lake of Gennesaret. And the crowd pressed in on him to hear the word of God. He saw two boats moored by the side of the lake. The fishermen had disembarked and were washing their nets. He got into one of the boats, the one belonging to Simon, and asked him to pull out a short distance from the shore. Then, remaining seated, he continued to teach the crowds from the boat. This is an important passage for Catholics. It's very much for Catholics because Peter, of course... uh in that previous chapter that you read from Matthew 14, just shortly after that, a couple of chapters is when Jesus says, who do people say that I am? And they had all kind of answers, prophets, John the Baptist, Jeremiah. And he looked at Peter and said, who, are you, who do you say that I am? And he said, you're Christ, son of the living God. And it's then that he said, you're Peter, and on this rock I'll build my church. And we believe the church is uh, on that profession of faith, and Christ is the uh, cornerstone and the head and the apostles of the foundation. And, of course, Peter is that leader that and the successor today. So the church is considered that Peter's boat. And Jesus teaches in Peter's boat through the office of Peter today, the Pope. And, 
and through the apostles and their foundation. So a lot of Catholics, many people obviously who aren't Catholic, don't understand or don't realize this image of the boat uh, and the church. I mean, one of the one of the great old names for the church is the bark of Peter. A bark, of course, is like a, a three masted sailing vessel. It's a it's a ship, and it's uh, related to the word barge. You know, going right. through the water. Exactly. And again, when you when you go into a church such as St. Louis Church, where I'm pastor. Any church, you have what they call the nave or the body of the church where the people are. Naval connotations of being on sea. and Right, so navigate, ch- navy, right. all these words come from right. that, that exactly. word nave. And we're sailing along in life. We're pilgrim people and part of the journey. Some people travel today and uh, certainly on jumbo jets. But also we can visualize the church's journey as many do on sea and on the waterways and we're journeying on to, to the destiny that, that we're called to, heaven. And along that way, we're, we're being fed and, and nurtured and, and led by Jesus Christ. Who's and it's a rocky world we live in, right? The, very the stormy, storms. <laughs> very rough at times, and, uh, but, and we but falter and we fear. But the, the peace of Christ, right? He is there. He promises that. I'll never abandon you. I'll be with you till the end of time. And we can forget that because we're human, and we depend on our own strength or some man or woman or some army or force that might be human and yet we forget that that very powerful presence is there to calm us and to lead us and, and to be with us but it takes a little bit of faith a lot of faith because you got to stay in the pew that's right and uh, peter peter i think uh was showing his individuality as we often do but also uh the other apostles stayed there and, and when you when you really look at it in that sense of what you're speaking of deacon is a lot of times people look out on their own. Well, I, I believe in Christ and I'll follow him, but I don't have to do it along with the rest of the people. I don't have to do it according to the structure of the church. or And I can get out on my own and have there's it, security. Have it your way, right? Yeah, they, I can do it my way. I have a better way. And yet Christ uh, has called us to be one people, one church. And he doesn't want us. I mean, he wants our individuality, our creative gifts. But he doesn't want us out wandering and just deciding we want to do things the way we want to do them because... He wants to offer peace to all of us as part of the family of God, and and we do belong to one another. Well, every Sunday we uh, profess our faith in the creed, and we say one holy Catholic and apostolic church. And that one is right up there in front. That's right. That that Christ didn't found several hundred or several thousand or whatever churches. Now, when he told uh, Peter that, uh, you're Peter, and on this rock I'll build my church, he didn't say churches. And uh, so I think it's something that, that doesn't mean that People who are in other congregations and uh, faith communities have not had valid reasons, and we've had the history because, again, the humanity. But, but we have to look back that he did found one church, one people that that is called to be holy, embedded with his life and sacraments and teaching, and to be universal as well as built on the foundation of the apostles. And when the apostles were that foundation in the very original times there was one people believed in god the, the community as they were called well what we need to do is uh after our break we're going to come back and talk about what happens when someone might leave the church for whatever reason maybe we'll talk about some of those reasons there's lots of good reasons as you've said before that people might have issues uh things to discuss about and what happens what what role faith plays in that and then that sort of peaceful calming that that only christ can provide. So we'll talk about that in just one moment. But first, I want to remind everyone at home that we have a wonderful website. It's www.thecatholiccafe.com. We invite you to go there. You can find out lots more about what the Catholic Church uh, believes and teaches. Uh, you can also sign up for one-click podcasting if you're into that kind of thing and you want to carry these shows. I don't know why you'd ever want to carry these things with you, but apparently some people like to listen to them while they're jogging or whatever. So you can 
load the shows onto your uh, your little mobile listening device. Um, also, I'd like you to email me, uh, and that email address is deaconjeff at thecatholiccafe.com. And so, with that, we'll be right back. I'm Vester Zemsky, and this is another great moment in church history. Was St. Peter ever in Rome? This is a question that has caused a great deal of discussion in recent years. In fact, many detractors of the Catholic Church maintain the view that Peter never set foot in Rome, let alone became the first Catholic Pope. It has been well documented that many of the ancient churches of the world have been built on sites made holy by what took place there. The burial, martyrdom, or birth of one saint or another, a famous occurrence in biblical history, an apparition of Mary, or some other great noteworthy event. Pilgrims regularly traveled, and continue to travel, great distances to give honor to the saint or holy occurrence. Often, a church would be constructed to mark the spot where the blessed event took place, and provide a site dedicated to praise and worship to God in thanksgiving. St. Peter's Basilica at the Vatican is no exception. Church tradition has long held that this well-known and oft-visited center of Catholic worship was built upon the final resting place of the beloved St. Peter, first Bishop of Rome. Peter was, in fact, there. And many, many writings of the early church attest to this fact. For example, in 189 AD, St. Irenaeus wrote about the successions of the bishops of the greatest and most ancient church known to all, founded and organized at Rome by the two most glorious apostles, Peter and Paul. An ancient historian, Eusebius, wrote in 303 AD, the apostle Peter, after he had established the church in Antioch, was sent to Rome, where he remained bishop of that city, preaching the gospel for 25 years. The church has never required more than faith based on the solid foundation of tradition, but the same cannot be said for a doubting world. But the question of Peter and Rome came crashing to the fore once again in 1941, when, during an archaeological excavation deep beneath the high altar of St. Peter's Basilica, a monument with a red plaster wall was discovered. Hidden within the graffiti-covered wall in a small, marble-lined repository were a collection of bones wrapped in a royal purple cloth. A large piece of the red wall had an inscription that read simply, Petros Aeni, or Peter is here. While this is not irrefutable scientific proof that will satisfy all the skeptics, it certainly bolsters the church's claim that the burial spot of St. Peter does lie beneath the high altar, and that Peter is here, in Rome that is. I'm Bess Trzymski, and this is another great moment in church history. Welcome back to the Catholic Cafe. Here's Deacon Jeff. And we're back in the Catholic Cafe's luxurious corner booth, right across the street from the Bark of Peter. That's right, St. Louis Church. (laughs) That's exactly right. So, Monsignor, we just have talked about this sort of crisis of faith that Peter experienced and the fact that it caused him to sink. For whatever reason, he wanted to go his own way or maybe partake of some of that divinity 
he couldn't necessarily partake of in the way that he wanted to do and on his terms, as it were. A lot of times people end up losing their faith, leaving their faith behind, turning their back on God, and, and leaving the church, the bark of Peter, getting out of the boat. What are, what are the reasons? What would drive a person to do something like that? Dick and Jeff, I've heard in 37 years as a priest almost every reason. Uh, one sometimes is people just in their own lives, uh, maybe the the seed that was planted originally is not grown, and it's really uh, Jesus spoke about the seed being thrown, and some of it's just on rocky ground, and it just wasn't that deeply uh, embedded in the person, and so they get into just not the need, and they don't do that. and They, they just don't, don't have that level of faith at all. It's just not there. And, uh, you know, you pray that somehow through other things in life it will take root and that uh, it will be watered by the example of people, prayers of the church, sacrifice, suffering. Other people, they will fail in their life. Uh, they'll have a marriage that breaks down. They will uh, get in a relationship that they're embarrassed about. The, the church may have a strong teaching, and they're weak in that area, and they feel like, well, I'm not wanted, I'm not worthy, I can never live up to that, and they just drift away. Sometimes people are busy in their life. They have so many hobbies, they have a lot of pressures, and Saturday night is the, the time to unwind, and Sunday's the day to sleep, and uh, they get caught up with their children in competitive leagues, they're traveling, and, and then they just get out of the habit. That's and the busybodies that we hear it, about in Scripture. It really is. We have so many people who just get caught up in the world and, and what they're doing that that God, in a sense, can very easily get pushed aside. And you wake up three or four years from now, and you're not really part of the community anymore. You've, you've cut yourself off, and it's like, do I need it? And, and of course, uh, I guess we could say people get hurt in the church. They get hurt by the church. And we've certainly seen over the last uh, eight or ten years a lot of publicity about the uh, clergy abuse, clergy sex scandal that has rocked that boat. And it's caused a lot of storm and an unsettling of the most faithful people. And I've had people actually tell me, well, I just don't go anymore. And I quit going when I heard that. And and they're angry. And sometimes they've had a run-in with a, a member of the parish, the community. Maybe they don't like something politically that was said by a clergyman or a bishop. I or just recently talked with someone who thought that a certain person didn't like what they were doing and how they were doing it was another parishioner and that was the reason that they gave that they had left the church yeah and and you often hear people say well there's nothing but hypocrites at church right. and of course the old saying of that if a hypocrite stands between you and the church or god then that hypocrite's a little closer than you are but, yeah. <laughs> but you understand people are bruised and they're human and they uh they can get hurt and so you understand why they get out on the water by themselves and and they try to make it, and they try to realize and justify that I can, you know, I don't need that. And and this also can lead to anger. There can be lots of anger at the church. A lot of anger, a whole lot of anger, and uh, they, it's held sometimes for years and years, and maybe uh, not understood even. It's not understood, and it's not expressed either to, um, to maybe the priest or a sister or a parish council leader or a deacon like yourself did or said something. And it you never be knew. It wouldn't be, wouldn't be you. I mean, no, only my deacon. <laughs> you would say something that you didn't even realize had done that, and, right. and a person gets that way. And sometimes we hurt people within our own family, and they they, they get hurt, and they, they cut themselves off, and uh, they stay away, or cousins, or our brothers, or, you know. And Now, a lot of times, my senior, I, I think that I, in my personal experience, that I found that while several of these reasons are extremely valid, 
very impactful, very hurtful sometimes, and they're valid reasons to be concerned about. They're valid issues, especially like with the, the clergy abuse situation. Mm-hmm. We don't want to trivialize that at all. Mm-hmm. But then you look at what happened in this walking on the water account here where Peter gets out of the boat and where he starts to sink because he got out of the boat. And we wonder, do we apply that metaphor here? I think a lot of times we can say that because uh, people do want. I think it's it's part of what Peter was doing. I, I can do it. I can be like God. I can. We don't realize that Christ is the one that that in that sense created the boat. He he, he made the church. He founded the church, and he wants us there as one family, diverse and and yet unified and unique and yet part of a body but in the story he takes peter back into the boat he does and the sea's calm that's right he totally does he takes peter back home to the boat and peter found that peace then and and the lord was with him and i think that many times people will go through and they say well i don't go to church but deep down they know perhaps within themselves that's where i belong that's where i'm called and part of it is our responsibility to listen to pray to really pray for the people and to make an example uh, by our lives, but to invite people back, to listen, to let them tell their story and to understand, not to judge or to say, well, that's stupid because right. it's not stupid to them. I was in the hospital visiting one time, and this was back when you'd have two patients in a room at the same time, and this girl had a appendicitis, and she said, I'm so embarrassed, it's so small, and this man next to me has severe pain or whoever the patient was, and I said, but to you... It's really important, and you're hurting. And so that's kind of what we, we have to do with the people who have left and the people who are wandering outside the boat, and they have their reasons, and we have to don't trivialize it because to them it's a big thing, and they were hurt or they were marginalized. And, you know, we do that in many, many ways. Uh, uh, we, do it, uh, we do it sometimes to women in the way that uh, their role in the church is seen. They feel d- diminished, and we do it sometimes... Uh, in the workplace, uh, in the diocese, in the parishes, in the schools, someone representing the religion will say something or be have to make an action, and people say, "Well, if that's the way they're going to be, they're not Christian." Well, sometimes, the, you know, again, it's the workplace too, it's, and you want right. it to be, you want it to be a perfect, holy environment all the time, but you've got human personality, so it it becomes. And we very never conf- know how what we're doing is it affects somebody. It's just like the seed can grow, so sometimes the thing we good we say or the bad we say or do can affect people in a negative way. And it may be between you and me, and somebody over here is listening, and they think, well, if that's what the church is, I don't want any part of it. So you, it kind of puts you on defensive and on guard. Right. But, but again, you have to try to be true to yourself. And but again, we got to come back to this image of the boat and the idea that in the boat is the safety and the security. And so. The last thing we want to do is to is to you think of the image of the of the burning building. You think of the people jumping out the windows, and 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 you know, do we want to leave the boat? That's where we have to get down to, uh, where you know, as Americans, the first our first reaction is to vote with our feet and with our wallets. Right, right. I'm not going to support this, or I'm going to leave. They don't. They're not going to get my support. I'm leaving. I'm going somewhere else. We do that, and uh, I, I look back to the, to the boat idea, Deacon, and I, I see that. Again, what we spoke about with Christ uh, getting into Peter's boat, and that the church is that, and, and it's through the office of Peter, but that goes all the way down to our bishops, to our priests, to our deacons, to our parishes, to our schools and communities. That that's where Jesus is, and that's where he 
that's Peter's boat and all those places. And he's there and he teaches and, and he calls us to then come bring it on Sunday to get in the big boat, if you will, the nave to the bark and to listen and be fed and to realize every one of those uh, 12 apostles in that boat were they were rugged guys. They were sinners. They were weak. They denied. They right. They they were human. They may be. You think they didn't fight and argue? Of course they did. Peter sure. and Paul, the two great apostles, argued and fought all the time. And Paul stood up to the first pope. And That's right. Confronted him, and so it. You know, it's it's always rocky, but it's also there that that the truth is found in, in the fullness. Yeah, and of, we yeah, exactly right. And we need to be reminded again that that's where Christ is. That's where the, this is fullness of truth, right? The one holy Catholic exactly. and apostolic church. That's where we find peace. That's right. And yeah. so when you're hurting, when you've been hurt, uh, when you've experienced. Um, some level of lack of faith or when you've decided that this is a bad teaching or a wrong teaching or whatever, the idea is not that you would leave. It's just you would stay and receive the peace of Christ. And you would come back to try to say, uh, also, why do I disagree? Or why did it hurt me? Or to, to make that body whole and complete, but also to maybe make myself more complete. I didn't understand the teaching. I ran from it because it said, that you can't have uh, premarital sex or extramarital or birth control issues or all right. the things that people say, well, that was me and they were condemning me. Well, no, they were trying to call you to fullness. That does It's not condemning you and who knows what's going on in your life, but to know that you can find comfort and peace. Yes, somebody can condemn you in there because that boat's filled with people who also are sinners, but you can also well, find... Ever since the Garden of Eden, you know, salvation has required conversion. It's exactly. required us to fix something that's broken. We always do. And that's uh, the whole call of Jesus was always reform, repent, come back, come, come complete. Get in the boat is really the call that he's given to us. And Well, we hope and pray that people won't, uh, won't leave the boat anymore. And that they will think at least before they abandon ship, right, that we realize what this ship is and the, the importance and just really the, the, the source of all peace is here in this boat. And the ultimate captain of that ship is is the head of the, the ship, the head of the Navy, if you will, is Jesus Christ, and he's always there. And and uh, hope they can find that uh, and come back and realize that's where they were called to be. And, and it is tough at times, and it is rough, but it's also a place of peace and comfort. So, Amen, Monsignor. Thank you so much for joining us here in the luxurious corner booth. Thank you. My pleasure. All right, let me uh, close in prayer. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Heavenly Father, you gave us your holy church to be our sure and steady home in a world where stormy waters threaten to take us under. Help us to see your calming, guiding hand as we make our way through the seas of life. We ask this through Christ our Lord. Amen. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. for listening to The Catholic Cafe. For more information, visit us on the web at thecatholiccafe.com. You'll find many links to Catholic resources on the web. You can also listen to previous shows online, download MP3s, or take advantage of our podcast feature. If you'd like to contact Deacon Jeff, send an email to deaconjeff at thecatholiccafe.com. The Catholic Cafe is brought to you by the Order of Malta Federal Association and is broadcast with ecclesial permission from J. Terry Stive, Bishop of Memphis in Tennessee. Join us again at the Catholic Cafe. 
There's always room for one more at our table. 